My dear Glenjamin, It's been a long time since we've discussed movies. I've had some things going on in my life, so we had to skip a week. It's the first week we skipped since 2020. But as always, the following podcast contains spoilers for The Color Purple. You have been warned, dear Glenjamin. You have been warned. What's up, everybody? Dear God, have I missed you all? It's been so long. So long. So long. Hi, everybody. How you doing? My name's Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Magusto. And we're Hello. back. Baby, we are back. back. We're back. We took a week off because things happened in my life. Yeah, some big things. And my life will never be the same. Gave birth to John C. Riley. John, John C. Riley, <laughs> little baby Dr. Steve Burrell. Uh, but yeah, I had a, my wife had the baby. We were in the hospital for five days. Uh, it was terrible. The, the the hospital stay, not the whole yes, life changing event. Not the whole child bringing event. Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a wild week. So mm-hmm. we obviously could not record last week. So we're recording this week. Just a little week delay. Yeah. But we are here to talk the color purple. But before we do that, Glenjamin Button, my dear friend, mm-hmm. what movies do you have to talk about that you watched in the past two weeks because well, it's been two weeks funny enough is i have not watched a single movie this last two weeks oh. uh, mainly because i was watching a bunch of shows um that i wanted to like re-catch up on i know uh castlevania the animated series on netflix is coming out with another season here that's um, based on a game right yes it is okay it is. proud of me for knowing that yeah i'm patting <laughs> you on the back from a distance i love oh, it oh yeah uh, <laughs> I know that's coming out with a new season, a final season, have that, um, on the 13th of May. So I wanted to try to re-catch up my mind to that so I can be fresh and go back into it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've been watching that. Uh, and then after that, I was like, well, if I'm going to watch Castlevania, I might as well watch Blood of Zeus, which is from the same studio who made Castlevania. Mm-hmm. So I watched that as well. Definitely not as good, in my opinion, but still, uh, still good. Uh, and then I watched Full Metal Alchemist, which, uh, you know, is a, is a series that's long and dear, dear to my heart. Um, I rewatched that again uh, because it's tattooed on my back. And you know what? Why not if you watch something that's tattooed on your back every, you know, few years? Yeah. Um, so I watched that. And then uh, actually I lied. I did see one movie in the theaters. And that <gasps> was the uh, the new Demon Slayer uh, Mugen Train movie that came Ooh. out. <clears throat> I know what you're thinking, Glenn. You didn't see Mortal Kombat? What is wrong with you? Look. My best friend was giving birth to a child. Yeah, me personally. <laughs> yeah, I was he, giving birth. He was on the table and leg just and, and absolutely not doing my best to keep with, to keep my eyes away from the horrors that were mm-hmm. happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. The beautiful horrors that is childbirth. Yeah, but uh, <sighs> other than <laughs> but other than that, that's all I've seen. Miguel, I know you've watched a few movies besides. You know, I have. It's it's light for me. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, being stuck in the hospital for five days, I only had my phone to watch them on. Mm. Uh, so, you know, could have watched more trying to be a supportive husband. Uh, and I think I did okay at being a supportive husband. <laughs> I would assume. But, uh, you did, yeah, so sure. I watched uh, a total of six movies Ooh. in the past two weeks. Uh, the first one 
being the color purple, which we'll get into in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I watched Titus, which is a Julie Taymor film from 1999. Julie Taymor, for those of you who don't know, she did like uh, Across the Universe and um, other films, which honestly I'm too tired to remember at the moment. But she she's a great director. Uh, Titus is a Shakespearean based on a Shakespearean play called Titus and Andromedon, or that might be a character from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but it's something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, but uh, it's starring uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, two-time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's also got uh, let's see Jessica Lang. Um, who many people would know from American Horror Story. Uh, it's got Jonathan Reese Myers, uh, Matthew Reese, um, just a whole bunch of people. Uh, oh, crap, what's his name? I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, Glenn. I believe in you. Alan Cumming, uh, so who is Night, Nightcrawler in the X-Men uh, series, the original one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's a Shakespearean play. You know, it's, if, for us dummies, it's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh the reason I watched this is the film 300. The score is heavily influenced by the score of Titus. Yeah. So much so that in the 2011 DVD release of 300, they had to put a disclaimer that the music was inspired by Titus uh, because that's how close it is. Yeah. And um, I'm assuming they didn't do that the first time. They did not do that the first mm. time. Uh, you know, but like it was not, there was never any financial like battle between it. I, the guy who wrote the music for Titus just wanted to be recognized because, and Glenn, I'll send you the two clips so you can put in, uh, in here, but they're damn near the same song. Got it. So put it right here. was Titus or was it 300 who knows well here's the other one One's 300 or is oh. it titus who Holy knows crap. Uh, my yeah, mind a uh, great film i really enjoyed it um one thing that i was not expecting is that cannibalism is involved in this Ooh. not expecting that from shakespeare not gonna tell you how it's involved hmm. but that's just something that happens so often in films that i watch it just turns to cannibalism and i don't actively look for cannibalistic movies it just kind of oh. happens yeah people just get a little bit hunky you know yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but yes, so anyway, that's enough of Titus. Uh, then I watched the original Godzilla, which I thought I had watched, so I had already rated it on Letterboxd. Yeah. But after watching it, I was 
pulling a full Gandalf with I have no memory of this place. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm fairly certain I had not watched it. In our Godzilla versus Kong review, you said you wanted an Oscar worthy mm-hmm. Godzilla film for the 1950s. Keep in mind when you do watch it, this is a 1950s monster movie. Yeah. This is an Oscar worthy uh, monster movie, Godzilla movie. Uh, it's fantastic. Cannot t- speak highly enough of it. It is on the Criterion channel. Uh, for anyone who wants to check that out, that is the original Godzilla. You can also find it under its original Japanese title, but with Latin letters, Gojira. Um, that's G-O-J-I-R-A. So highly check out people check, highly check out, highly suggest people check that out. I watched that while in the hospital after my son was born. After John C. Riley was <laughs> after, born, yes. After baby John C. Riley was born, uh, I watched that. And then I watched a documentary about winter, the Winter Olympics called White Rock. Uh, unlike many others, I believe the Winter Olympics are the Superior Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Summer Olympics are kind of boring to me. It's just a bunch of running, and that, and they show stuff. off a lot of skin. Yeah, we don't need that skin. We this is a Puritan skin. household. I'm tired of seeing <laughs> not ankles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that is called White Rock. It is a documentary from the 1970s. It's got incredible footage from the 70s. Like, like they put, like, GoPro angles on there mm-hmm. well before GoPro angles were a thing, well before digital photography was a thing. Interesting. So they just had full-on 35-millimeter cameras somehow hooked up to skis. All right. And the people didn't fall out of the sky immediately. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, and I'm, I, I highly suggest people check it out. It's a very cool documentary called Power Rock. Power That is also on the Criterion channel. Then I watched our boy Yargos Lanthimos, who directed The Favorite, uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer, uh, The Lobster. His one of his first movies, and is, uh, it's actually in Greek called Dog Tooth, uh, which is about a family of uh, five with the, there's three kids. They're adult children, but they've lived very sheltered lives. Apparent, uh, uh, essentially, the dad is keeping them hostage saying that outside of their house is dangerous um but it's not like a horror movie it's kind of like just fucked up and comical mm-hmm. mostly fucked up but a little bit comical uh i really like it it's it's not as good as his his later movies like the lobster and killing of the sacred deer and the favorite yeah. hard um, to compete with those for sure though yeah but it, you can definitely see his 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 trademark there of the uh very outlandish weird Mm-hmm. Not natural characters that still work somehow. Um, so yeah, I highly suggest that. Then me and baby Steve uh, John C. Riley, Doctor <laughs> Steve Brule, baby. Uh, he was taking a little nap in my arms, but I watched Tuki Buki, uh, which is a Senegalese movie, English title, Journey of the Hyena, um, and it is um, it's kind of like an Easy Rider type movie, uh, uh, also Bonnie and Clyde type movie. Uh, there's this man and woman who travel ac- across Senegal trying to find like money making schemes uh, on a motorcycle and all that. And uh, yeah, it's they're trying to get enough money to go to Paris. And it's really interesting. Uh, definitely not uh, newborn baby friendly, but also he cannot see within like six inches or past six inches right <laughs> so now. It, so it works out. Yeah, he, he couldn't see anything. Uh, he slept right through it, slept through all of the animal slaughter which there is a lot of but i uh, you know i chalked it up to like cultural things um and i'm sure they used it for like meat and stuff uh 
But yeah, it, it was definitely the entire time I was like, should I be watching this with him? And I was like, yeah, he he's too young to get mm. anything going on right now. But It'll be okay. Yeah, that's Tukey Bukey. And that is all I watched this week. Sorry to rant a little bit. I haven't it's talked about good. movies in so long. I just need to get it off good. my chest. It's all good, um, buddy. But yeah, that's all I watched this week. Uh, that brings us to news. We, there's no real news. The Oscars were this past Sunday. Well, Two Sundays ago, when you're listening to this, uh, mm-hmm. the past Sunday from when we're uh, recording, uh, they did a in-person show, which was cool to see. They did it a very small. I think there was only like 200 people there or something. I was going to say they can't go all out. I know yeah, that. Yeah. I know. I know they did some of them for sure. I'm fairly certain they only had nominees invited because everyone that was presenting awards were either nominees or last year's winners. Yeah. Um. And then Harrison Ford for some reason, but you know, <laughs> I'm he, sure he, he was there for money. Yeah, so. he was just, COVID can go suck a dick or something like that. I imagine <laughs> that's how it went. The face. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it was. I really, it was a really cool ceremony. Uh, Glenn Close showed that she knows more about 1970s rap than Daniel Kaluuya. Oh wow! Which was just like. Or it might have been 80s rap. I don't know. I'm not a hip-hop person. It was person, probably so. 80s rap. Uh, but yeah, like... <laughs> 70s was kind of like she was, the birth. They, they did like a little uh, um, uh, like Q&A, like, is this song Oscar-nominated? And one of them was Da Butt and, uh, <laughs> uh, from a Spike Lee movie. I think it was School Days Spike Lee movie. Yeah. And Daniel Kaluuya was just like, I don't know this one. And Glenn Close was just like talking shit. And she was just like, you're too young to know this one. And they were just like, oh, yeah, do you know this one? She was like, yeah, it's the butt from school days. And then she started <laughs> dancing. I don't know if it was scripted, but it was perfect the way it was. And Glenn Close is a national treasure and yes. we must protect her at all costs. What an amazing lady. Yeah, indeed. Um, but, yeah, it was really weird. They they. Did a different format, you know, trying to do different things. Uh, Best Picture, this is the thing that I did not like. Best Picture was presented third to last. Mm -hmm. They did Best Picture, and then they did Best Actors, and then they did Best Actor. Uh, First of all, no matter who people think is going to win Best Actor, Best Picture should always be last. I don't care. I don't know know who made that decision. It was Steven Soderbergh, actually. Uh, I I just found that out, that Steven Soderbergh was the showrunner, and he made that decision. Steven, I love you, but that's a terrible call. Interesting. Uh, But anyway, you you know, the whole thing, it was obvious that they were building up to what they thought was going to be a shoe-in for Chadwick Boseman winning Best Actor in a Leading Role. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as most people know by now, it was actually Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. So... If that was your intention, I get why, because everyone thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win, but also the balls on you. you I mean, <laughs> it would make sense if Chadwick won, and then, you know, you'd have maybe like a ceremony you know, honoring yeah. him at the end. Yeah, I still think that would be stupid. Yeah. Just because it's kind of like, oh, yeah, look, at we, we planned this. Yeah. Um, honor him during the lead role thing, like you did with uh, Heath Ledger when he he True. passed away. True. Um. But yeah, Anthony Hopkins won, and then Anthony Hopkins started getting a lot of hate from the dumbass Marvel fans mm-hmm. who think Chadwick Boseman, I, I, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but he didn't even deserve to be nominated, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, thought, I thought he was really good. I mean, nominated. He, he's really good, but he yeah. he is it, he played that character on stage 
So it is so extremely rehearsed mm-hmm. that it kind of felt like it's he like was Denzel just... like Denzel doing Fences or something. Exactly. I mean, and Denzel wasn't nominated for Fences. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viola Davis was because she was natural. Yeah. And like Chad Big- Chadwick Boseman was great in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but it was extremely rehearsed. And there are other performances like Delroy Lindo and Defy Bloods that were more natural and, and uh, you know, better in my opinion. I, I'm not mad that he was nominated, but I don't even think he deserved to be nominated. So, yeah, like, but I mean, hating on Anthony Hopkins because he won this. Yeah, he, he's my not man, my man's a national treasure, too. Yeah, he didn't even show up. That's how little chance he thought he had of winning. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was in Wales when it won and uh, he paid a beautiful tribute in his 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 next day acceptance speech mm-hmm. uh, saying that, like, you know, he wants to accept that in honor of Chadwick Boseman and that we lost him too soon. Mm-hmm. So he handled it beautifully. Uh, but yeah, people need to understand more than one person picks. It's not like the Stonies, which we agree are superior awards. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not just chosen by two people. It's chosen yeah. by hundreds of people um, and in voting systems. So uh, yeah, Oscars, check them out. Mm-hmm. They're done. Things won. Yeah. And, and then, that's uh... that. And a slow transition over to a bunch of people killing each other. Um, So, (laughs) so uh, obviously, Mortal Kombat came out. It's kind of a big hubbub, Mm -hmm. and also Demon Slayer came out. I was uh, I was going to talk a little bit about how well both movies did over the weekend, and how how pretty much head to head they were almost the whole entire time. Nice. And it's funny because Demon Slayer wasn't even open in like half the theaters that Mortal Kombat was. Um, was that like was that like a uh, Fathom event type thing, or was that like an actual release? It was like an actual release. Oh, cool. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I guess Demon Slayer, I don't know if they're going to keep doing movies or not. Obviously, uh, who doesn't know? It's an anime series. Um, so that, it's a really well-known anime series at this point, and fucking a lot of people love it. And here's, here's why I know that. Because opening weekend of Mortal Kombat got 23.3 million, at least from this article that I'm reading, and... Demon Slayer, with only being in half of the the theaters that it was in, got twenty one point one million. That's impressive. That is very impressive. Yeah. To to argue, you know, Mortal Kombat was on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I I don't I don't think they release, but it will be. So I'm sure people yeah. might have been waiting to see it, in you know, in their homes. Yeah, possibly. I thought you were talking about my 2008 film, Colin O'Gorman, Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't. I didn't. Congratulations, <laughs> Thank Mike. You. I didn't uh, uh, authorize a release of that <laughs> film, but I better be seeing some of that 21 million. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's really <laughs> impressive how uh, how well it did, you know, yeah. considering, you know, Mortal Kombat's a big, you know, household name for the most part. Yeah. It's it's going to be a slow comeback, but movie theaters will come back. Mm-hmm. We'll get the people need like yes, you'll definitely see bigger movies being streamed earlier, but people love the camaraderie of uh, seeing a film. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was a good chunk of people when I went to uh, KOP there. Yeah, uh, when I went on definitely. Saturday. So it's 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 gonna be nice going back to work here soon, and yeah. I'll be probably going to work actually as soon as we uh, air this. So. Cool. Hip, hip, hooray. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, any more news? I think that's it for me. All right. Let's get into The Color Purple. The Color Purple. An American story for the whole world. It's about life. It's about love. It's about us. You will always remember, Mr. 
shook. Old mister. Nettie. Harple. Squeak. Sophia. And Seeley. You will never forget the color purple. A black southern woman struggles to find her identity after suffering abuse from her father and others over four decades. Oh, wow. Yeah. Directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Menno Mejes. Uh, that's the screenplay, the screenplay, shall I say. Alice Walker's from the novel. And then we've got starring Danny Glover, Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey. There's uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Willard E. Pugh. Uh, Margaret Avery. There's a whole lot of people in here. I think Lawrence Fishburne is uh, credited as Larry Fishburne. Yep, he is. Actually, yes. As Larry Fishburne. You know what's funny? When we were, or when I was watching, it's like, well, Lawrence Fishburne is in this. I wish he had a bigger part in this. But understandably, yeah. if he's going by Larry in this, is pretty early in his career for sure. Uh, yeah. His first film, I believe, was uh, Apocalypse Now when he was 17... Or at least his his first big movie was was um, that him or was that Forrest Whitaker? No, that was that was Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, he was seventeen when they filmed it and had to lie. Uh, no, to I'm th- thinking of uh, I'm thinking of that Robin Williams one. It's probably not his for regardless. Never mind. We're done talking about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. He, his career was still relatively young at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was cool seeing him. Uh, Oprah, you know. With her being a talk show host, people forget that she can actually act. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think she's a great actress, and and uh, definitely, I think she won the Oscar for this, didn't she? Or no, she was nominated. Uh, she might have been nominated. I personally do not know. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's one of those classic films. Everyone talks about it. It's uh, extremely depressing in the beginning, and then gets a little bit more. Um. What's the word I'm looking uh, for? Nominated, by the way. Oh, nominated for Oprah. Yeah, Whoopi was nominated. Margaret Avery was nominated. Nominated, um, but yeah, it's it's a film that a lot of people talk about. I remember it being on the shelf of my uh, my dad's VHS collection, mm-hmm. um, and it's just one I never got around to seeing. Oop, yeah, same, that. same here. Like I've seen it a long time in catalogs and stuff like that. Or. Do we? Am I old for saying catalog? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, I know it's been in like a bunch of catalogs and stuff on these streaming platforms, and I'm like, I I gotta see that movie because I've I've seen it in my eyeballs for the last twenty plus years of my life, and I need I need to see it. And what really pushed me over the edge here was that uh, I had watched that uh, Quincy Jones documentary not that long yeah. ago, um, and he actually produced this film. And did the uh, score for it. Yeah, which, a which rare is... break from John Williams from uh, Steven Spielberg as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was interesting to see. Um, yeah, I, and the I, I thought the music was great in it too. It was uh, very well matched in in, in the yeah. film. Uh, it didn't feel out of place, which is the worst thing you can do for a score. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I was really impressed with it. And I, I, also, he was nominated for best uh, original score too for, in the Oscars. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, other people thought he did it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was this is one that I, I had been wanting to see, and because I watched uh, so many 
um, documentaries lately about, you know, just all the shit that's been going down for the past however many years. I mm-hmm. feel like I, I need to, you know, just get to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Not saying that begrudgingly or anything, but um, <laughs> no, the, 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 especially with long yeah, dramas, this, this long it, dramas are the ones that I yeah. find myself often just like not avoiding, but putting off. And then it really it does get down to you just need to watch this. Mm-hmm. It's not like a I, I don't want to watch the thing. It's just I know this is going to be heavy. I yep. know it's going to be a heavy three hours, but mm-hmm. you, you need to watch it. Um, and. I honestly, the first 30 minutes or so, I wasn't sure if I could, I mean, I knew I was going to get through it, but it was going to, I knew it was going to be rough because her life portrayed in the first 30, 45 minutes is hard to watch. It is very hard like, to watch. Good God. <laughs> uh-huh. Especially uh-huh. with uh, uh, her characters pregnant when she's first introduced as a teenager. Yeah, before yeah, she's like played 14 by, years old. Yeah. And then her, her dad takes the baby away, like right away. You don't know if he's going to kill him or put him up for adoption or whatever. Mm. The, the way the dialogue goes, it hints that he's probably going to kill it. Yep. And I did not need to see that a week before <laughs> expecting <Yeah>. a baby. <laughs> I apologize. Ahead of time. No, it's fine. Or way behind of time. Sure I was just say. like, oh, God, please stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was very for sure. Her life was very, very rough, even from the beginning all the way, pretty much to the yeah. end, almost um, before she took control. Um, and she, like so her her father, you know, um, her her adopted father, technically, um, gives basically gives her away to this man, Danny Glover, um, for marriage. And then, you know, that guy's not a very nice guy either. No. <laughs> not, not in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny Glover, he's really fun in this movie, you know, except for when he's being a complete asshole. Yeah, when it's um, when the film is poking fun at him, it's mm-hmm. really fun. But when he's the... I mean, he's the villain the whole time, but when, oh, he's, absolutely. when he's an in-control villain, it's it's he's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like, obviously, he's acting, so it's yeah, it, it's it's just hard to watch. But also, he's he's very va- he's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just it's it's just it's it is like you were saying uh, for setting yourself up for these long dramas. It, it is very hard to watch, specifically, you know, how shitty her life is for a good hour and a half or so Yeah. before she starts, you know, to take control of her life and, you know, uh, you know, exactly what I just said, yeah. um, through pe- the people she meets along mm-hmm. the way. So it's just really cool. Yeah. And, and the, the first, I feel like this movie to me feels like maybe two, I don't want to say two different movies but maybe like one's the first one and one's the second one because mm-hmm. the tonal shift about halfway through is so completely different. Like the first half of the film is relatively melodramatic, but in a way that only Spielberg can get away with. Yeah. Um, where it's like if anyone else was directing, you'd be like, man, this is cheesy. But somehow he's able to pull it off. I still haven't quite put my finger on it, but there's mm-hmm. a few of his films that are like that. And this one gets really cheesy at parts. Uh, and then the second half, when she's finally starting to ca- take control and you're learning more of her strength and she's not just this timid character that's been beaten down by life. Uh, you know, she sees Oprah Winfrey's character acting strong and, and, and uh, you know, living her, uh, a relatively good life with the exception of, you know, going to prison for something that she should not have gone to prison for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 just becomes a really inspiring well-crafted film 
from that point about like the power of this this woman Celie Johnson and just her her search for her sister and it's incredible like if 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 the whole film was like the first half I don't know if I would like it as much yeah the, the second half really saves it for me yeah the the second half with the uprise there you know in in the characters not even just her character every I think I liked almost every character you know besides you know Danny Glover's even though yeah. he, he was fun in the movie just besides yeah. him being a complete asshole of the and, character. and even him you you learn that he is only the way he is because he would he never knew better because his father was such a piece of shit too mm-hmm um, not that that's any excuse for him to act the way that he does, but yeah. you see towards the end, he kind of redeems himself uh, by showing that he's learned uh, and, and he tries to right his wrong by, uh, you know, sending a letter to um, Nellie or Nettie, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, and and letting her know that, you know, they want to, she wants to connect and everything, but also not going up to Seely and just being like, look what I did for you. He understands that he did, he went too far and he's trying to make what little bit he can write again, but he knows, you know, he'll never be fully redeemed and should never be fully redeemed. Yeah. Uh, so that was nice to see. It wasn't like there, a lot of movies here would just be like, do you forgive me now? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, Oh, Oh, Albert or Mr. As she called him. I could never stay mad at you or some stupid shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> but in th- this is done in a very realistic uh, way where it's uh, it's very clear that he, he learned some lesson. A full lesson, we'll never know, but he definitely learned something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to get that. And it just, uh, they, they also, with Sugar Avery's character at the end there, it was, it was really cool that she kind of was the way that she is because... Uh, well, not not because the way she is, but like her father didn't really love her for what she was doing, you know, like as a career. And then at the end, um, basically that whole nice little musical at the end, uh, when her dad, the priest, finally uh, uh, finally accepted her. I thought that was a really moving movement too. Yeah, especially uh, since she just helped uh, Celie so much in her life that like she like deserves to at least be loved by her father. So it was like, yeah. oh, I I think that the overall feeling of that scene is good, but I hate that they can hear the church choir from so far away. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that that's just kind of like a, a, um, a, a storytelling piece, but mm-hmm. like, I feel like it would have been better if they were closer to the church and then started singing outside. And then after like a, a, a battle, back and forth or so long who can sing louder they just burst in the doors but just mm-hmm. that long walk from uh the the bar uh to the <laughs> the church yes. i was just like it was that volume the entire the entire time, time yeah. <laughs> like no, they had like, speakers connected to them the yeah. whole time and and honestly my my biggest problem with this film is how things are told not mm-hmm. what is being told but how things are told it's a little too corny Mm -hmm. of the 1980s for me uh but you know but there's a lot to like about it this this film had a lot more comical parts than i thought there would be um my favorite during the first hour and a half yeah my favorite part is when uh uh mr danny glover Mm -hmm. was trying to cook for show gavery to show 
her that he can be her man, yeah. uh, even though he's already married to Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, but and, and so Whoopi's trying to help him. And uh, he gets mad, so she just kind of sits down, pulls up a chair to watch the show, and then he's he's upset that the stove's not getting that hot, so he gets kerosene. And the second <laughs> she sees kerosene, she just bolts out of the chair. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that, and, that whole moment was really great. Yeah. Just, and then she made the food herself for Suge, and then it was, it was just funny because she was like, I don't want your food. Took the food and then threw the the plate, the, the dish that it was all on, just empty because she ate yeah. it all. It was, and then, it was and then when uh, when Whoopi made it, she, yeah, she she uh, like got out of the way just to see. Yeah, because she, she didn't know if she was gonna throw it at the wall or not. Yeah, uh, but it's it's another comical part. Uh, part is uh, when they go to the the bar, um, the Suns bar. What's his name? No, not Squeak. Harpo. Harpo's Harpo. bar, and that. Uh, that fight breaks out because someone um, spoke ill of Sophia played by Oprah mm-hmm. and like, she just whoops this person. That whole bar fight scene was hilarious. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot of really good, lively comical parts of this mm-hmm. that do make something that is ultimately a relatively like the whole story is her, uh, her, her, the basic part of the story is her abusive father, selling her essentially to a, an abusive man as a as a wife mm-hmm. and then her being abused and just her learning to stand up for herself and everything but it's it's just filled with these very light parts and and it's it you know it makes the whole experience overall very nice and heartwarming and i like that it never went the old savior uh the white savior part mm-hmm. uh way where especially after Oprah goes to jail, she is forced to work for the woman whose husband she hit. Yeah. Uh, which made her go to jail. And uh, I was like, oh, great. This is going to turn into like Driving Miss Daisy, which I like. I like Driving Miss Daisy. I'm not shitting on that film. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was going to be like, a, oh, she's going to teach the old lady that, you know, black people are okay and the old lady is going to realize her wrong. Then nope. It was complete opposite. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was really scary the way it went, you know. Yeah, mainly because th- that mindset that woman had. Yeah, where like just the black man is just evil and and violent and uh, out to get her. Mm-hmm. But, like when when her car starts going out of control because she doesn't really know how to drive it, and all the men jump on the car trying to save her, and she thinks that they're just attacking her, even though it's clear they're trying to help her. It was just. Mm-hmm spoke volumes and there's so many people even today that have that mindset where, oh absolutely like, it's it's just it's hard it, it was slightly comical but also just very revealing of her character and also the world that used to be and still is to a lesser extent mm-hmm. and i i uh was just glad it didn't go the white savior route yeah absolutely yeah it's they they did a very good job of like uh, for sure, like we, we were just talking about there, of just like the mindset of like at least white people back then, and how like how they just saw ill of these people, you know, like uh, black Americans at the time, and it, it's so so ridiculous to me. Yeah, and like it's so awesome, like how well this portrayed, how greatly they can just take this horrible thing and just like bring life to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that was that was like for sure my favorite favorite like theme to it is like in this horrible situation already in a horrible situation mm-hmm. <laughs> it made it into a horrible situation coming out on top in a way for sure like that 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 makes me feel happy you know. Yeah.
definitely. For um, sure. Honestly, I'm kind of glad we we did take a break after a week because when I first watched it, the the cheesiness kind of got to me to a point where I didn't look back as favorably as I did. Mm-hmm. But having been able to sit on it for two weeks, yeah, my opinion hasn't really changed. But I'm a lot easier on yeah the, the cheesiness of it because uh, you know it is the '80s. It is a drama. Mm. Uh, it is, for lack of a better word, Oscar bait. Even though it didn't win any Oscars, uh, yeah, it, it's. It, it when right off the first viewing of it, it can come off as kind of cringy at times and and over dramatic. But you know, after sitting on it for two weeks, I, I have a much more favorable opinion of this. The only real problem I have with it is at the end when Nettie comes uh, with uh, Celie's biological biological tr- children. Mm-hmm. Her children speak. An African language. I don't know if they ever specify, but her children were raised by American missionaries. So, my question and and what kind of bugged me is why are they speaking in an uh, African language if they were raised by American missionaries? Yes, I would expect them to also know the African language because they spent so much time there. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure they they went there. They they did go there, but they yeah. still they still had American parents. Uh, they were both preteens if not teenagers when the mother died mm-hmm. uh and the father was still american i'm so not I, sure yeah it's, it's just something that i was just like that seems un, unnecessary maybe you know i i'd have to look into what the uh you know if the book was kind of like that or if yeah. spielberg wanted like a this was her connection to to africa or or what have you i i, I can't claim to know what if there was a deeper meaning to that, it was just one thing that was just like, they should know at least 12 year old English. If, yeah. if, if not more. So yeah, I'm not sure. I actually didn't even think about that. Yeah. At all. And I mean, and Nettie is American too. Yeah. So like she could have taught them. It's just something that kind of threw me off the, the wife of her, her, uh, her son, Adam, I completely understand only knowing African language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, her Adam and was it Olivia is her daughter's name? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, they, they, in my opinion, they should have been able to speak English. Yeah. Uh, it would have been less distracting. But I'm real glad that it was revealed that they did not die. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yes, yes. Um, I Honestly, I don't think I have too much more to talk about. I I yeah, will say it. this this ran maybe a little bit longer than I would have wanted it to. Yeah, I did put it overstate its welcome. I didn't want to bring that up just because yeah. the two weeks I do have a more favorable opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we recorded last week, I definitely would have brought it up, but it did maybe 15, 20 minutes too long. Yeah, because um, I definitely remember sitting there for just a little bit and be like, you know, be happy if this... You know, got a little closer yeah, to ending like, soon. I, I feel like you made your point, Steven yeah, Spielberg. Once, once it got <laughs> to the two-hour mark, then you started like feeling that way. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't really have much more to talk about. To be honest. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so that does it for our review for the color purple. Let's get into the judgment. Glenjamin Button, will this become a shelf boy like the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden, or will it go <laughs> into the bin? Uh, I. I think this might uh, be a shelf boy, in my opinion. Um, I, I definitely know, as far as for the community goes, this is like a pretty strong uh, movie, um, directed by Steven Spielberg. You got a strong black cast. You got a you know the composer is Quincy Jones, and he worked 
very hard on it for for one not yeah. only just on the score but producing it as well i remember i think in the the documentary that it, he was like i had to take a break after that because i was pooped i was very very pooped i was yeah. you know but my mind was blown with how overworked i was after that definitely uh, i definitely think this this holds a milestone in you know in time for sure yeah, uh, and I, I mean, I wouldn't mind having it on the shelf, despite you know it having a little bit longer of a runtime than I would like. Yeah, uh, I would completely agree. It is obviously it's a classic. It was nominated for so many Oscars. Got some great performances from everyone, specifically Whoopi Goldberg, Margaret Avery, uh, mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey. Uh, this kind of came out, I believe, before Whoopi was a household name. Yeah, I think um, before like Sister Act and everything like that. It was definitely before Sister Act. Yeah. I don't know. And it was before Ghost, and I, I don't know exactly how uh, famous she was then. This is her second film, so I'm assuming she was very, <laughs> very uh, uh, unknown at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just a, a, a really well-made film. Uh, I think, not that it really matters, people today would probably have a problem with Steven Spielberg directing it. But what I think people got to realize is at the time, Steven Spielberg was like the best director. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like he probably got a lot of say from the actors and writers and everything and knew his place and knew not to tell people what their experience was. Yeah, Um, I definitely know he had Quincy Jones's favor, like vote for it. Yeah, so I I think it'd be a shame... If this wasn't directed by Steven Spielberg, but also it would have been cool for like a, a, a black yeah. director to kind of have this as a breakout. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things where <laughs> in today's world, that probably wouldn't fly as well. Yeah. Uh, not to the point where I think it would be canceled, but people would just be like, you really got Steven Spielberg direct that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, 100 percent goes on the shelf. Sorry, I just felt like I should All notate good. that. Um, I just hear people talking shit about stuff like that so, yeah absolutely uh, but so yeah color purple goes onto the shelf with the likes of apostle and handmaid and mm. that brings us to our plugs for this week glenjamin button what is your plug uh yes my plug this week is going to be uh a little thing on youtube i usually like i, I watch a lot of youtube okay uh so there's a show currently on amazon prime right it's called invincible mike when it's done i actually think you should watch it don't I wouldn't recommend having uh, John C. Riley in your arms when <laughs> you are watching this, but it's a show called Invincible, and I got hooked on it. You know, it's like um, it's like Teen Titans, the animated show from Warner Brothers in DC, had a baby with the boys, <laughs> the show <laughs> on Amazon, and it is it is brutal and it's great so far. And so I got so invested where I, my, my dumb ass was like, I don't care about spoilers. I want to know more about this show. So there's a, there's a good uh, page on YouTube called key issues. And they have a lot of uh, like key history. They give you a lot of background to a lot of different comic books, different fictional characters and stuff like that. Um, and for me, like uh, this certain one in particular is going to be about the invincible where I found this page. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to do um, the Invincible playlist on key issues, or just key issues, the whole thing. He really does his research. He really You could tell he likes doing it, for sure, and really does the uh, research for it in particular. So there you go. It's going to mm-hmm. be key issues on YouTube. Cool. Welcome to the first video in our coverage of the new Amazon series, Invincible. 
Invincible is actually an incredible comic that I've had the pleasure of speed reading recently, and while I had read the early arcs of the series a number of times, I'm glad I finally dedicated myself to reading the whole thing. The main series ran for over 140 issues with a couple dozen tie-in issues, which you don't really need to know, but I wanted you to appreciate how many comics I read this week. Normally I would start a series like this with the actual main character of the show, Mark Grayson, aka Invincible, and that video is absolutely coming next, but I wanted to start off on a different note and talk about a character in the show and in the comics that is the most interesting to me. Cool, cool. Uh, so my plug for this week, mm. uh, very few people in America probably know this, but I would say conservatively speaking 110% of Europeans know this uh, Eurovision Song Contest is coming up in on May 18th I believe uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know there is a beautiful documentary that is not at all a comedic film with Will Ferrell in it mm -hmm. <laughs> called Eurovision Song Contest the story of something or other I forget what their band name is um, but that that movie is about the Eurovision song contest entry from Iceland. Uh, and Iceland is a country in Europe. No, true. Uh, so I, Iceland, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of after that, I know a little bit before that, uh, I've been kind of looking at Eurovision song contest. Uh, a lot of it is just music that I don't really care for, mm -hmm. but Iceland's entry last year. And also this year is just a catchy ass tune. Uh, I, I suggested one of their songs or one of his songs because it's really just one guy um, a, f a few episodes, a few months back. I was going to say, I'm pretty um, sure I remember you uh, suggesting Yeah, that. so I, my plug for this week is their submission to this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, it, the band or guy is Dolly Fryer. Uh, he had the, their entry. Oh, my God. They are entered as Dolly and Gognamagnith. I practiced that. Dadi og Gagnabagnef. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, t I tell you this. I said this flawlessly several times today. I don't just, doubt it. Just practicing it. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So their song con their song entry for this year is 10 years. Uh, it is a really catchy song. The music video for it is goofy as, as shit. Uh, he's kind of like a, a nerd rock kind of guy. Uh, mm -hmm. where they kind of make fun of the whole pop culture thing, uh, where their dancing is really stupid and white, but it's cool. Uh, their music <laughs> video for this involves like a Godzilla-type monster. Uh, it's it's just really goofy and fun. Sounds captivating so yeah. far. And honestly, like, I've... I've I spent a lot of time in the hospital, as I said a thousand times, for baby John C. Riley, mm -hmm. And I listened to every single song submitted to the Eurovision so uh, song contest <laughs> this year. And if Dadi Ogagnabagnith, boom, uh, oh, does not win, <laughs> does not win this year, there's something afoot because it is the goddamn catchiest tune. <laughs> so that is Dadi Ogagnabagnith. You, it, it uses letters that we do not have on an American keyboard. Just do D's for D-A-D-I and Gognamagnith, G-A-G-N-A-M-A-G-I-N-I-D, uh, and that is 10 years. Uh, they also have a video game called Dadi Og Gognamagnith, Think About Aliens, and that is available on all phones, and I played it, and it's actually really fun 
uh, fun game, side scroller game. That's hilarious. So, yeah, highly suggest that. We've been together for a decade now. Still pretty, I'm loving you more. If I could do it all again, I'd probably do it all the same as before. I don't wanna know what happened if I never had, had your love. That is my plug for this week. Sorry, it took me so long to get it's to that. It's all good. Man. I have the uh, newborn dad brain right now, mm-hmm. so it's not working as fast as it normally does. But those are our plugs for this week. That brings us to our assignment for next week, which we have uh, streaming roulette. I almost yes. said Netflix roulette. It's not Netflix anymore. Not anymore. It's Netflix and other stuff. Uh, so for just as a reminder, we haven't done this in a while. We spin the wheel three times. We pick the best of those three. Uh, if we've already seen it or if it's less than a year old, we spin that time again. And that is it. That's pretty much the rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So without any further ado, here comes the first spin. <gasps> Plastic China. 2016. 2016. We got that. Got that. Got that. Plastic China. Portrait of poverty, ambition, and hope set in a world of waste. Yes. It is on Amazon Prime. It's a 7.7 out of 10 stars. A documentary. Uh, It is a documentary. So that is Plastic China. That is our first spin. Uh, Let's spin it a second time. What do you Mm. think, Glenn? I I think that would be recommended. So we're going to spin it a second time. (gasps) Much Ado About Nothing. I wonder if this is the shakespearean play mm, kenneth branagh emma thompson denzel keanu there's a star-studded cast here michael keaton's in there 2012 not not, not that version son They're, of a bitch we're, we're looking for the 2016 version Ooh, it is from a different country it's from chile well, that made me sad not gonna lie <laughs> much ado about nothing 2016 on netflix carefree college student vincente ends up in a desperate fight for freedom when a well-connected friend falsely accuses him of a hit-and-run accident. It is written and directed by Alejandro Fernandez Almendras, also written by uh, Geronimo or Geronimo Rodriguez. It is starring Augustine Silva, Paulina Garcia, Daniel Alcano, and Alejandro Goich. And uh, yeah, that's much ado about nothing. It is not the Shakespearean film. Mm, or, it's not, or play. not what I expected, but yeah. I wouldn't really Same be here. against it. I wouldn't either. So that is on Prime. That brings us to our third and final spin. <gasps> Glenn, would you like the honors? I would love the honors. All right. <gasps> All right. You know, have you ever watched uh, Wheel of Fortune? You got to really yeah. set up and. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just like that noise a lot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Back Roads. Back Roads. 2019. I spelled roads wrong. So who's got a Who's got a infant brain now? Also, is it, yeah, it says 2018 on here, 2019 on uh, that. It's on uh, Tubi. It is on and Prime. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back no, it, what? Huh? What? 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 <laughs> In 1993, Harley's dad is shot dead and his mom goes to prison. He has to earn money and look after his three kid sisters. No college, over two, oh, no college, full stop. <laughs> over two years, family secrets are slowly revealed. Will a good therapist be enough? 
It is uh, directed by Alex. Oh, Alex Pettifer. He directed this. Okay. Uh, Alex Pettifer is a uh, an actor. Uh, many will know him from I Am Number Four in In Time, Elvis and Nixon, hmm. uh, and he's also in this. Apparently, uh, he is written by Tawny O'Dell and uh, based on the book by Tawny O'Dell, and also screenplay Adrian Lin. It is starring Shiara Ariella, Jennifer Morrison, Juliette Lewis, Robert Patrick, and somewhere along there, Alex Pettifer. Um, I think he's the main character. Yeah, six point five out of ten on Prime. Uh, or sorry, on IMDb, it is on Amazon Prime, and the critic uh, Metacritic score is forty-two. So, we got Back Roads, Much Ado About Nothing, or Plastic China. Huh. <laughs> uh, honestly, Plastic China is not even going to be on the list for me. Okay, so we're going to nix Plastic China straight out of here. Yeah, and then uh, when's the last time we had a foreign film? Good question. Stand by. There's going to be a lot for you to cut out of here, but whatever. That's all right. <laughs> um, I feel like it was a uh, it was like that uh, that Chinese uh, kung fu film. Uh, no, the... it was uh, Oni Baba. Oh, there we uh, go. The the uh, samurai film. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it has been. It's been, a it's been since March eighth. <laughs> Since you looked at me. <laughs> since you looked at me. Yeah, since March 8th, we haven't done one. So it's been over a month. Okay. Um, um, yeah, it could could be time, or we could watch Backroads, and it could be time for that. I'm, I don't know, Mike. What do you, what's your uh, well, opinion? Well, both are 6.5. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing does not have a Metacritic score, uh, whereas Backroads has a 42 Metacritic score. I am leaning Much Ado About Nothing. Okay. Both are crime dramas. Yeah, I'm not not against it. All right, so shall we just call it? I think we're going to call it. All right, so for next week, our assignment is much due about nothing. Um, The original Spanish name is Aquí Noja Posada Nada. Um, I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but, you know. ¿Ustedes acompañan al cabo en el vehículo? No siguen. Manuel venía manejando. Y afirma que usted venía manejando. Eso es totalmente falso. Por el delito de manejo en estado de ebriedad con resultado de muerte. ¿Pero qué pasó? ¿Tú sabes cómo son los lejeos? Referente a las huellas dactilares del vehículo, la verdad no es la verdad. Vicente sí manejó ese auto. Una verdad que te va a llevar directamente a la cárcel, weón. Solo tomas malas decisiones. No, yo no fui. Pero no eres malo. O sea, eres medio ingenuo, te mandas tus cagas, pero eres bueno. Es probable, ¿eh? Que tú lo hayas pegado y que no te hayas dado cuenta. Me tengo que ir. Yo soy Gustavo Barría, el abogado de Manuel Larrea. Uh, so that is available on Netflix. You can check that out, and we will discuss it next week in mm-hmm. that episode. Because that is how it works, people. If you haven't found out, we picked a, pick a movie every week and then watch it and then talk about it. We so do, yeah, we do do that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can check out our website, www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week, where hopefully I have less new parent brain and can, you know, speak efficiently and coherently. And- <laughs> not make a super long episode. I believe in you. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.